0: Our reading today comes from the poet Barbara Crooker. It's titled In the Middle Of a life that's as complicated as everyone else's, struggling for balance, juggling time. The mantle clock that was my grandfather's has stopped at 920. We haven't had time to get it repaired. The brass pendulum is still, the chimes don't ring. One day you look out the window, green summer. The next, and the leaves have already fallen, and a gray sky lowers the horizon. Our children almost grown, our parents gone, it happened so fast. Each day we must learn again how to love. Between morning's quick coffee and evening's slow return, steam from a pot of soup rises, mixing with the yeasty smell of baking bread. Our bodies twine, and the big black dog pushes his great head between his tail, a metronome, three quarter time. We'll never get there. Time is always ahead of us, running down the beach, urging us on faster, faster. But sometimes we take off our watches. Sometimes we lie in the hammock, caught between the mesh of rope and the net of stars, suspended. Tangled up in love, running out of time. So what if I told you? What if I told you that I had a magic solution, a pill, some thing that we could all do that would just take a couple of moments each day and it would make us kinder, more compassionate, more loving, more balanced, more joyful, more effective people in the world? What if I said there was something, one thing, that we could do that would make us the people we longed for, help us to live more balanced lives in the middle of all of the predictable unpredictability of it all? What if I told you that? Well, I am guessing you might feel a little skeptical of me. I'm guessing you might think, oh, no, we hired one of those infomercial preachers without knowing it, and here she is, like, making big promises when really this is hard. It is hard to be those more loving, more balanced, kinder, more compassionate, more intentional people in this world. It is hard work to do, no doubt about it. One of my favorite UU ministers out there in the world, Kate Braystrup, talks about what is most important in a spiritual life, she talks about what is the goal of spiritual living for us as Unitarian Universalists. And she puts it this way She says, Our job is to be as loving as we can, as often as we can, with as many people as we can for as long as we live. Simple, right? To just be as loving as we can, as often as we can, with as many people as we can for as long as we live. Now, I love this idea. I love it because it sounds so simple, but I think we all know it isn't easy at all. It isn't easy always to turn toward that more loving, more intentional, maybe more balanced side of ourselves when things get tough, whether that's in our family or in the grocery store. It is challenging to be as loving as we can with as many people as we can as often as we can, right here in the messy middle of our lives, right here in the middle, between morning's quick coffee and evening's slow return. So how exactly are we supposed to do all of this loving? Well, I think Justin pointed to one way we can do it in his sermon last week. In the midst of a world where all of modern life is geared toward a flight from what matters most, in a world, a modern world where all of life is geared toward a flight from God, as Thomas Merton wrote, in this world, small groups, the kind of small groups in the practice of deep listening we engage in here at church, they are one sure way to go. They're one sure way to go to make big connections with one another, to do the hard work of practicing listening in a countercultural way. They are surely one way we might move toward being those kinder, gentler, more loving people we are called to be. And there are other ways, too. There are other ways we might choose in addition to those small groups. There are practices as ancient as time that can help us to do the seemingly impossible Practices that can help us become those more loving, more balanced, more effective, more hopeful people in the world. There are practices that work like water on our hearts, softening us over time, washing away the debris, clearing the channel between us and what matters most. These practices I am talking about, of course, are spiritual practices. They are practices as old as time. And before we get too far in the journey of this sermon, I want to take a moment and tell a story. Now, it was just about 16 years ago in my life. It was a particularly difficult time for me. Things seemed very dark. In so many ways, it felt like sadness was at my heels everywhere. The demons of the past were with me. It was hard to see anything outside of myself during that time. And I'll tell you, in a moment of deep sadness and desperation, I did something radical. I looked up and outside of myself for a moment, and I saw there in front of me a dear friend. I saw a friend who was also going through a difficult time, but somehow she seemed to be navigating it and managing it so much differently than I was. Now, this friend, she had had a number of tragedies befall her one after another. She was in a couple, a same-sex couple. It was a time and a place where they had no legal ties to one another, no legal relationship, and when she and her partner split, she lost all custody, all contact with her son. She was in a place of deep sadness and anger, and in the midst of that, she got in a car accident that put her out of work, and she lost her job, and it was just one thing after another for her. She was leaning on all of us around her as she should have been, But I noticed when I was finally able to look up and out of myself for a moment, I noticed she was living through this time differently. She was asking questions that simply weren't occurring to me in the moment. She would turn to us, her friends, and she would say things like, how is it that I can continue to act from love in the midst of this? How is it that I can be a person of integrity, that I can be somebody that I'll feel proud of later when all this is over? How can I still see joy even when life is so difficult? How can I act in ways that feel good to me? How can I keep from acting out in anger and rage when that is all that I can imagine? She was asking these questions and it got my attention. And quite frankly, as I began to listen to her differently, she blew me away. Now, I don't want to imply that my friend is or was perfect. In fact, she'd be the first one to tell you she's not even close. But she was managing to do something that I thought was very difficult and very inspiring in that, in that time, in those moments. She was doing her best to learn to love again each day, right there in the messy middle of it all, right there between morning's quick coffee and evening's slow return. Right there in the midst of it all, she was trying to do what Kate Braystrup asks of us, to be as loving as we can with as many people as we can as often as we can for all of our life, right in the middle of it. Now once I finally noticed this, once I finally saw what she was doing and how amazing it was, I asked her, how are you doing this? How are you asking the right questions in this difficult time when all I would want to do is throw something or sleep in the dark forever? How are you doing this? And she said, you know, it's nothing magic. It's nothing magical at all, but I'm pretty sure it's my spiritual practice. I pray and I meditate each day, and it seems to be helping a lot. Huh, I thought. (laughs) Huh. was kind of hoping for something different. It wasn't what I wanted to hear. Um, So I thought about it. I thought about it for a while, and a week later, I showed up back on our doorstep, and I said, okay, tell me about this. Tell me about this spiritual practice thing. Now, this friend knew me. She maybe knew me better than anyone in the world, and she knew that I was a skeptic in those moments. She knew that I tended to be overly intellectual, that I had come ready to argue, even in the midst of my pain, even as she was going to try to help me. And so she said, I will tell you about it, but you have to make a deal with me. The deal is this. You listen. Listen. And just try it try it without arguing for a week and then come back and we'll talk again okay I thought I will do this I will listen I trusted my friend I knew she was smart I knew she was somebody I appreciated and she started talking and she said just try this she's like this is how I started it worked great for me in the morning when you wake up say help Don't think about who you are asking for help from or whether or not that thing actually has any power in the world or cares about you as an individual. Just wake up in the morning and think about all of the challenges you have in front of you for the day. Think about the people you love and care about and simply say help and hold those in your mind. Huh. Okay. I tried that. came back a week later and she said, I want you to try something else. I want you to try at night when you go to bed, I want you to just lay there for a moment and instead of running through all the things you didn't do or you wished you'd done or the things that weren't right, I want you to simply say thank you. Think about all of the things that were amazing in that day, those little moments that caught your attention, and I just want you to say thank you. Help in the morning, Thank you at night, she said. That's it. No arguing. So I went away for my second week, and I tried that. I tried my help in the morning, my thank you at night with no arguing. I tried it. And when I came back to her a week later, I was able to say honestly that I had begun to notice a few small changes in my days. I'd begun to notice that I was laughing every now and then when previously it had all just felt gray. I was able to say that I was beginning to notice moments when I felt genuinely thankful for what was unfolding in front of me or I was able to notice something beautiful, the change in the color of a leaf on a tree. So I told her about these things and she said, okay, I've got one more thing for you to do. I thought, okay, all right, it's been okay so far. I will keep trying this. And she said, I want you to try shooting your whole day through with this, with help and with thank you. So not just in the morning, not just at bedtime, but all day, I want you to think about when you might ask for help, when you might say thank you. And she said, here's the trick, and this is where I began to love her even more. She got a little bit irreverent, and I always appreciate that. She said, I want you to find something that you do every day, maybe something that you do multiple times a day. I don't know, like maybe going to the bathroom. And I want you to use that moment to say one of those prayers, the help or the thank you. She's like, then you'll remember, right? I want you to hook your spiritual practice to something that you do all the time, to use those moments, and all I heard was use those moments there in the bathroom to pray. It made me smile every time I did it. I loved that idea, and I got started. I got started on it. I was smiling more often, and I was asking for help, and I was saying thank you, and I'm proud to say that 16 years later, after that, I have prayed, I have given thanks, I have asked for help in bathrooms all over the (laughs) world. Now, now... I am quite sure that my friend said some other things that I have ignored. I'm quite sure she said I could ask for help or say thank you during any of those moments that come up every day. Moments like when I wake up in the morning, put my feet on the floor, maybe when we're walking the dog or eating a meal or taking a shower, that any of those would have worked, but I didn't hear that. I heard those bathroom moments, and for me what it did was help me to hook my spiritual practice to something that happened all the time. Now, I know it's funny, and it is, but it also really helped to have some moment where I could connect with something beyond myself. Now, I didn't need a church to do that. I didn't need a minister to lead me in that practice. I didn't need special books or anything like that. All I needed was to find time wherever I was, and I could hook it to anything then, find that moment to take a deep breath, to remember, to ask for help, to say, Thank you and remember. This practice of stopping wherever we are, of taking a deep breath, of making, our roo- making room in our lives to remember, to remember who we are and all that we have to be grateful for, to remember that we are not in this journey alone, to pause, to take that moment and to remember. This is a spiritual practice, and it is a revolutionary practice. Practice. You see, almost 200 years ago, when our Unitarian ancestors, the Transcendentalists, when they began reforming our tradition and shaping America's character, they did so with a radical idea. They believed that the sacred could be found everywhere, right here and right now, that the sacred could be found in every blade of grass, in every interaction person to person. It could be found in a piece of poetry. It was not trapped or sealed or spoken only one time in one book or at one place. The holy revelation, the things that mattered most, they were everywhere for us to see. And that we could, in fact, we had to experience the divine, that which mattered most. It was up to us to experience it, to notice it in our lives. Now, this was a radical idea at the time. It it was an idea that leveled the playing field of spirituality, that we didn't need someone else to do it for us, that the divine was right there for us to experience, that we had the capacity and the power and the responsibility for our own spiritual development. We could grow our own souls. And in fact, it was up to us to do that. Henry David Thoreau, one of the Unitarian transcendentalists, he spoke and he wrote about his spiritual practices, especially during his time at Walden, the time that he sat in the sun when he wandered in the woods, when he planted his garden, when he wrote his journal. And these times, he said... opportunities for light to shine in on his soul. There were opportunities for light to shine in on his soul. What a fantastic metaphor for what can happen when we take those moments to take a deep breath, to notice all that is around us, inside of us, to remember who we are, to connect with something bigger. Those moments in those moments of spiritual practice, light just might shine in on our souls. Kate Braestrup, the Unitarian Universalist minister we talked about a little bit earlier, she talks about creating these moments right in the messy middle of our lives. She talks about these opportunities for light to shine in on our souls. And she knows, I think, as well as anyone possibly could about the messiness and the irritations and the downright busyness that can sometimes overwhelm us. She became an unexpectedly single mother of four kids, all under the age of six, when her husband Drew died in an accident. And she was left with these four kids to manage. And she often found, you can imagine this, that just getting out the door in the morning was a big task, a major accomplishment, she said. In fact, most often, as she tells it, her mornings looked like this. These are her words. Assuming that everyone who needed one had a clean diaper, and assuming that the diaper stayed clean for at least 20 minutes, there were then eight small socks to find, at least one bulbous head to rescue from the unbuttoned neckline of a sweater. There were all kinds of childish eccentricities to accommodate And then there were all of those snow pants and jackets to zip and snap. There were eight little thumbs to try to get into those mittens in the right place. There were snow boots to find that still fit and weren't wet on the inside. And assuming, and these are assumptions, she said, that everyone then made it out the door before someone announced that he or she needed to pee or just had, well then... (laughs) they all still had to be loaded into their car seats that were crunchy with all kinds of rice cake crumbs. She said, I'd start the car with a sock over my hand because the steering wheel was cold and I was the one who couldn't find her mitten in all this. And she said, this was success. This was a successful morning when it went like that. Now, as Kate parented, she remembered her childhood friend, Natasha, and the spiritual practice of a threshold prayer. That Natasha's father engaged in many times each day. She said, You know, whenever any of Mr. Belfiore's children were headed out of the house, even when they were adolescents and rolled their eyes and protested every time, every time on their way out of the house, he would hold their face in his cupped hands. He would look them in the eyes with the brown, warm eyes that he had given to them, and he would say to them, May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, Kate said the words didn't resonate with her even as a kid. But what she saw there, even in those moments when she just wanted to get out of the door or two, what she saw there was love, undoubtedly, right there in that family. She noticed the attention, the intention That was given to each of those children and as a parent now she says she remembers feeling jealous in those moments jealous of that love and connection and she says that she has chosen different words in her family but the point is the same to stop there in the midst of all the busyness and remember what really matters A threshold prayer works, she says. It works the same way that mealtime graces and bedtime prayers do, any of those moments we do all the time. She says it works by allowing reality to rise and be acknowledged. Not the reality, she says, of the backward overalls or the irritation or the mismatched striped socks, but the real reality. The truth about who each of us is and what it means to be living our lives together. Now whether we are ushering four small children out the door in a hurry in the morning or whether it is just us leaving the house alone, there are words we might say too. In that familiar moment, in any of our familiar moments, there are words we might say out loud or in the quiet of our own minds that offer up a blessing for the day that say thanks for all that we have, that maybe request help as we move forward in our day and seeing all the gifts that are there in our lives, even in the midst of a troubling time. These spiritual practices we can take on and take up, they take so many forms, be they threshold prayers or small groups or meditation or prayer. They are just a few of the practices you might try and commit to or recommit to. They are anything we do on a regular basis, anything we do with the intention of connecting with our deepest selves and the holy, anything that takes us below the surface of our lives. And I can tell you that while I am by no means perfect, not even close, I have surely noticed over these last 16 years when I have brought in the practice of prayer and meditation into my daily life. I have noticed my heart softening. I have noticed myself not reacting so quickly in situations that used to throw me off balance right away. I have noticed that I am more hopeful and joyful and effective, that I look outside of myself more often. I know without a doubt that these spiritual practices carried me through difficult times and hard waters, through the death of my mom, through the bringing in, the birth of my kids. They have held me. So I invite you, I invite you if you haven't already, to discover a spiritual practice that suits you and to get started. I invite you to get started tending to your soul, taking up the radical charge of our ancestors, remembering that revelation is not sealed, but in fact is right here for each of us to discover. I invite you to slow down, to walk quietly, to breathe and notice the miracle of each blade of grass, to notice the miracle in poetry, in what happens between us, what happens in music. I invite you to see those moments when you feel in your spirit, I wake up. I invite you to find your bathroom moments, your threshold prayers, those early morning or late night walks with your dog. Find whatever moment it is and remember. Remember who you are in a world that so often asks you to be someone else. Remember the light that can and will shine in on your souls when we slow down and notice. Remember that we are here to learn to love again each day between morning's quick coffee and evening's slow return. We are here to be as loving as we can as often as we can with as many people as we can for as long as we live. May we find our moments and get started. Amen.